I got double coffees today, man. I'm going to be so pumped up. It's good. So, hey, uh, we are in a extended study in the Gospel of Luke. I think we've been in Luke now for three months or three and a half months, and we're all the way into chapter four. So we could be here until 2025 or so. Um, That's okay. It's a good book. Last week, we talked about the outside-in nature of the kingdom of God. And when Jesus showed up, uh, he announced that the coming kingdom had, in fact, arrived and that it was resident in him, that uh, he was the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. And that went, was, was really well-received. People were happy to hear about that until he began to define the kingdom. And when he said the kingdom of God would include people that are different than you. It'll include outsiders. It'll include foreigners. It'll include immigrants. People weren't as happy with that, and they ran him out of town and tried to throw him off a cliff, but he escaped because of his super Jesus powers. But that really was the, he was describing what to me is the beauty of the kingdom of God, that it is completely and totally non-discriminatory, that it is open to everyone. There's no walls, no barriers, that everyone is welcome in God's kingdom. So we're going to pick up uh, in the next verse, the next little bit of chapter 4 this morning uh, with Luke's gospel. I lost my slide person. Can somebody fill in there? Thank you. Thomas does double duty. He does slides for me, and then he goes back and helps with the kids. He's amazing. Uh, go, go to my title. There you go. Kingdom, he- Kingdom Healing is our title this morning. Uh, G- G- so... Jesus moves, he announced the kingdom, he talked about it and said it was coming, and then he shifts and he begins to actually uh, demonstrate the kingdom of God. So it's sort of, the kingdom works that way, it's kind of a show and tell process, if you will, or what we sometimes call a proclamation demonstration. Um, I want to say this, before we get rolling, um, we're going to talk about kingdom healing today. And, you know, healing is an important part of God's kingdom. It's, it's part of the reason that Jesus came. And so we're going to pray this morning at the end of service for healing. So anybody that would like prayer for healing, I would like you to actually just kind of begin sort of prepping up right now. Just spend the next 25 and a half minutes uh, preparing for that. So that's your spoiler alert this morning. We're going to pray for healing at the end. But let's, uh, let's pray one more time right now, and then we'll, we'll get into the text. Lord, uh, your word says healing is the children's bread. And so our heart's desire is to see your kingdom come and your will be done. Pray that you would move upon us this morning. Pray that you would open your word that we might receive what you have. Amen. All right, verse, uh, so, so we're going to look at a little bit longer section than we typically do this morning. What I want to do is read a couple verses of time do a little commentary on it, and then we'll come back at the end and kind of tie it together. So beginning with verse 31 and 32, if you would please. And then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. Uh, You know, a little note here. Luke says Jesus went down to Capernaum, which is actually an accurate uh, thing to say. Luke is a historian, and he, he is very detailed. He's writing this account, uh, very, very detailed as to, 
you know, everything that is happening. So Nazareth is at about uh, 1,200 feet or so above sea level. Capernaum is at about 700 feet below sea level. And so it's about a 2,000 foot differential in just about 30 miles. So it goes, uh, it goes down pretty quickly. And the reason I mention that, why is that important to us? Who gives a rip? This is why. Because Luke is really detailed in his account. And if he's as accurate as that about the difference in elevation between two locations, how accurate is he in the details of the things that Jesus did? And so I just mentioned that to say that I really believe this is a credible account and that the things that Luke says to us are as they happen. And so uh, it's one thing for him to say Jesus went down to Capernaum. It's another thing to say the things he's about to say. Uh, but let's look into those. Next slide, if you would. Wow, he's already there. In the synagogue... There was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with me, with us? Jesus, oh, he's more than one. Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. The demon threw the man before them, down before them all and came out without injuring the man. That's a good trick. Um, it's interesting to me, throughout the Gospels, Demons always know who Jesus is. People don't. Sometimes people don't recognize Jesus for who he is right away, but the demons do. There, there is a, a, an understanding in the spiritual realm of who God is, and it's important that we see that. Jesus says, be quiet here. Uh, really, if we, I looked it up to see what exactly was that, and the word is like putting a muzzle on a dog. So he shut him up. Just, just, you're done. Kayate. Uh, it's all over. That's, that's all you get. Um, I, I want to comment on this, okay? Deliverance, even today, is much more common in non-Western cultures than it is in our culture. If you are in the eastern, you know, the eastern part of the world, or even the southern part of the world, uh, certainly in Africa, you see demonic manifestation and deliverance happen a lot more than you do here. So you go, why is that? Why is that? And here's, here's why, and this is not comprehensive, but it's, it's uh, some insight and understanding into that process. We have a Western rational mindset. We try to figure everything out. So very often, when people do have, uh, you know, a behavior that would be exhibited as a demonic manifestation, we label that as something else. And so very often, rather than going through deliverance, those people are either uh, institutionalized or incarcerated or medicated. And, and uh, it's interesting, every now and then, I will see something, read a report, something on the news, whatever, and kind of go, huh, you know, I wonder about that. Because you see weird and erratic behavior happen. Uh, but what happens, instead of being delivered, people get tased. I mean, that's really what happens. I, w I was watching, so in Luke chapter 8, we're not there yet, we'll be there in, a few, in a, like six months, but um, in Luke chapter 8 is a story of a demonized man who is running around the graveyard naked. He's buck naked, and he's running around the graveyard kind of antagonizing people, scaring people, right? So a couple weeks ago, I'm watching the news on TV, and there's a story about a guy, he's not in the graveyard, but he's in the park, running around naked, antagonizing people, kind of jumping out and scaring them and stuff. And I'm looking at him going, oh, that's interesting. So somebody, first of all, 
you, you know, you do what you always do when you see crazy stuff. You get your cell phone out and record it. So somebody's recording it on cell phone while somebody else is calling the police. So the police come and they're trying to stop this guy and, and he won't talk to me. He's just jumping around and kind of trying to scare him and stuff. So what happens? They tase him. Um, and I thought, well, I've seen that before. You know what I mean? It sounds like that. Uh, kind of a similar thing. It was a sad thing to see, but it was also kind of a funny thing uh, because, uh, so the cell phone video, it's a naked guy, right? So the news, they've got the blurred out spot trying to cover his, you know, naked parts. And, but he's moving so fast that the blurred out spot is a little bit slow behind him sometimes. I'm like, that's, shouldn't be on the news. But my point is simply that it made me realize that very possibly that could have been a thing where this is a a demonized person who needed spiritual help more than he needed to be incarcerated. We don't know that for sure, but certainly I think that's one reason why we say we don't see those things in our culture because we label it as something else. Okay, moving on. Next slide. All the people were amazed and said to each other, what words these are with authority and power. He gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. The news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Go to one more. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. They asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over and rebuked the fever and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. So Jesus leaves uh, the synagogue and he goes to his friend Simon's house. Simon's mother-in-law is ill. So she has a high fever. And again, I looked that one up too. It's, it's very high. It's greater intense. So she's pretty sick. Uh, And we're told that Jesus rebuked the fever, which is an interesting thing because that's the same approach you would take to a demonic person. And I'm not going to develop that today, but we will later in the series. Um, But I will say this for today. In the Gospels, there's a difference between illness and demonic activity, although sometimes they overlap. And so it's, it's, it's an interesting thing because in, in our culture in general, we have this rational mindset that we kind of explain away some of those things. But at the same time, there, there's uh, in some circles kind of a, a Pentecostal mindset that sees a demon behind every bush. You've ever heard that statement? And so it, my, my thing is this, is sometimes every disease and every illness is kind of pointed out as being demonic. Is that the case? And I would say, no, it's much more complex than that. Um, in the big picture, the big picture is this, that illness and sickness is not part of God's plan for us. And in the new heaven and the new earth, when all things are created new, we won't be sick anymore. Amen. Praise God. That's good news. Uh, but it is part of what's happening in the world today. People get sick. That happens. You know, so is, does that mean that every sickness, every illness is the work of, of a demon? And I would say, no, not necessarily, not specifically. Um, we live in a fallen world. There's a lot of stuff happening. It could be that, it could be that there's a lot of germs in the air. You know what I'm saying? Could be that we eat a really bad diet. There's a lot of things that can make you sick. Uh, so I don't think we can necessarily label every illness as being demonic. I think it requires us to pursue God a little bit, have some discernment and some prayer about that. The good news is this. Here's the good news is that Jesus, uh, and his kingdom rule and reign over all sickness, regardless of the cause. So it doesn't matter at one level if it is or not, God has control and power over those things. So, uh, 
Jesus rebukes this fever in Simon's mother-in-law. She goes from, you know, a high fever. She's got a 104, 105 fever, whatever, to getting up and serving them coffee in a matter of minutes. So that's a fairly radical turnaround. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a, that's a, pretty, a pretty quick uh, recovery. Let's go on to the next slide and talk about it a little bit. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, you're the son of God. Again, they knew who he was, but he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. So what we see, again, in the ministry of Jesus is proclamation and demonstration. Jesus shares the gospel in the beginning of Luke 4, and then he moves into demonstrating the gospel in the the rest of the chapter. This is what uh, John Wimber, who was my pastor growing up, used to call being a word worker. He said, we're, we're word workers. That's who we are. We, we read and study the word of God, and then we do it. We don't just read it to read it. We don't read it for information. We read it for action. We read it so that it can be active and real in our lives. We're word workers. We work the word out. We don't just study the word. And that's really what we're called to be about. That's who we are. That's, I believe that's what the kingdom is for in the world today. But more than that, kind of specifically for you and me, that's, that's what it means for us to be in the vineyard. That's, that's the kind of call of God on this particular part of the body of Christ. That's sort of vineyard to the core. The whole process uh, of who we are. The basis of John's book, Power Evangelism, was this. That we talk about the kingdom and then we demonstrate the kingdom. We share who God is and then we show people who God is. We tell people Jesus loves you and then we show them that Jesus loves you. It's show and tell or sometimes it's tell and show. Sometimes Jesus would reverse the order. He'll pray for somebody first and then say the kingdom of God has come and do an explanation. But whether it's show and tell or tell and show, either way, there's a pattern that I think is helpful for us to look at and say, hey, is that not something we can do in the church today? Can we not be mindful of being able to share the gospel with people and then show them what it means to walk with God? Um, You know, when you talk about this, so, so I'm talking about actually doing these things praying for people. And you might say, you might say, man, that's a little scary. That's, uh, that that worries me a little bit. I would say, correct. You're right. It it is. And that's why we say, uh, and you can go to the next slide, faith is spelled eventually. (laughs) Go on one more. R-I-S-K. Faith is spelled risk. I want to be honest with you. Here's what I think. And I'm not picking on anybody in particular. Just us as a a whole. And not even just us. Just the church. Here's our problem. This is our biggest problem. Is we're just too darn comfortable. We've made this whole thing too easy. It's too easy to sit and... Stay inside our safe box and be okay with living the Christian life the way that we feel like it's okay to live it. Basically, you know, I go to church, read my Bible, pray a little bit, and be a generally nice person, I'm going to be okay, right? 
I don't know that that's really the goal. I think there's more than that. We pray this prayer, let your kingdom come and your will be done. So I have a problem with that. Because if we're going to pray that prayer, I think we need to be willing to take steps of faith to allow the kingdom of God to come and the will of God to be done. I think if we're not going to do that, then we shouldn't pray that. Is that okay? You okay? Um, I think we have to be willing, if we're going to say, let your kingdom come and your will be done, we have to be willing to step out in faith a little bit. To me, that's the style of Jesus when he, when he shares with people. That's Jesus' style evangelism. It's, it's being those word workers. It's working the word of God out in our life, not just you know, ingesting it uh, for our own benefit. There's, a, there's explanation and demonstration, proclamation and demonstration. Uh, I want to look at a, an, another example of this because I, I really think there is a, uh, a pattern that is super helpful for us to follow. So go ahead and go to the next. This is in Luke 10. And it says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. He sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, <clears throat> I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals. Do not greet anyone on the road. So uh, this is a larger group, 72 people. Jesus is sending them out in pairs to go out and tell people about him. He's good. They're, they're going to tell people about Jesus, right? That's what they're going to do. Let's look at what they do. Go to the next slide. Verse 5 and 6. When you enter a house, first say... Peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. So what is the first thing they do when they go out is they bless people. Go and say peace to you. It's interesting. Evangelism today, what happens? What do we say? Turn or burn. God hates you know, your subdivision. Uh, whoever, whatever. Uh, we're not telling them everything they've ever done wrong. Jesus says, go give them peace. Just let your, bless people. So the first step in really sharing who God is with people is to let them know that, that God wants to bless them. Give them peace. Say, hey, you're okay. Next slide. Second thing, stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town, you're welcome. Eat what is offered to you. Um, second step, make friends. Make friends with people. You know, the kingdom of God is highly relational. It really is. It's highly relational. Hang out. Share a meal with somebody, and you'd be amazed at the doors that God will open that you might not have otherwise. We, we really are, in our culture today, we're closed off. We have gated communities. We have fences around our houses. We, 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 we like our privacy. We don't, we don't really want to intermingle a whole lot. So it's interesting going to other cultures. Uh, we were in Nicaragua a few years ago and planning a new church in a new community. And so on Saturday, then we were going to do a service in this uh, open air sort of uh, place in a park that was there in their community on Sunday morning. So the church wrote up little flyers, little half-sheet flyers, announcing that they were going to be there the next day. So we went door-to-door, knocked on doors, 
and just gave people a flyer to invite them to come to the service. So I'm just hypothetically speaking, in your neighborhood today, if somebody came and knocked on your door and handed you a flyer and invited you to come to a new church tomorrow, what would your response be? Just think about that for a minute. So let me tell you what happened to us. At every single home we went to, we were invited in. Come in, come in, sit down, have something to drink. No, no, it's okay, we just want to give you this flyer. We just want to invite you to come to church tomorrow. Oh no, come in, sit down. Every single home. It took us hours and hours to hand out 100 flyers. We were in teams of two and three because everybody invited us in. It was a, it was a, it was a radically, radically different mindset than we have. If we are willing to take the time out of our day to bless people and to make friends with people, to get to know our neighbors and get to know people around us and befriend them and sit down and have a cup of coffee with them, I think God will give us opportunities. He'll open doors for us that we would never, ever have otherwise. So go to the next slide. Here's what that, how I would uh, contextualize that. Healing happens in the context of relationship. Look, if we're willing to take time out of our busy schedules and get to know people, we'll find out things about their lives that we might not otherwise ever know. And I tell you right now, there are people that you know, that you go to school with, that you work with, that you live next door to that are in pain. And they need a touch of God. And if we will take the time to get to know them and find out a little bit about their lives, they'll open up and they'll share that a little bit with you and give you the opportunity to say, hey, let me pray for you. There's a process that is outlined here that I think is tremendous. Go to the next slide. The next verse says, Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. You notice that that's not first. You notice that they bless people first. And then they got to know them and made friends with them. And then they prayed for them. Um, I just feel as though we need to be willing to take the time out of our day if we really want to see God move. And even just thinking about it, you know, I... I um, thinking about our reboot in Easter, and I've, I encouraged you last week, and I'll encourage you again, to, uh, to think about now, even on Easter Sunday, who you might invite to come. It's so interesting. My neighbor, I've been thinking about inviting my neighbor to church for a long time. Um, and he, I, I, he's been gone. He travels a lot. He's an engineer, and he travels uh, out of the country a lot. And so I saw him yesterday, and I pulled over and go, hey, man, where you been? I thought you died or something. And he, he goes, no, I was in China, and I was in Turkey, and these different places. And he goes, hey, I, I, I've been thinking about it. I really want to come to your church. Because he goes, our church, something, I don't know, they had something happen. He goes, I, th- I want to come visit. And I go, hey, that's, that's awesome. I've been thinking about inviting you. So uh, he's not here today, but maybe he will be in the next week or two, or maybe he'll be on Easter. So just t- taking time to get to know people. Um, I just think that's the way that Jesus laid out for us that is so much more effective. I know it doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes you meet somebody, it's a random encounter, the Holy Spirit's there, you just do it. But I just think the the effectiveness goes up about a zillion percent when you take the time to really get to know people. Um, That really is the pattern of the process. Going going back to healing, and and I'm going to wrap up here pretty quick, but there's a couple of things that... In regard to healing, I want to say today, there's some, what I would call, you know, harsh but true theological reality connected to this. Um, The first thing is this, that God will use 
sickness in the lives of people to bring glory to himself. When the church is the church and when we do what we're supposed to do, God will be glorified in the process. And when we do that, we will see God's kingdom come and his will be done. And, in, in, and there's people here today who we've seen God move and healing happen in their lives over the last year, two years, three years, few years. And it's powerful. It's powerful when that happens. Now, when I say that, God will bless people even in the midst of sickness and bring glory to himself but he doesn't cause the sickness. He doesn't bring sickness upon us ever. But when it does happen, God will take that situation and use it to bring glory to himself. There's a difference between those two things. And I think that's, sometimes we get those things confused. But I want to point that out. So God can be glorified in healing. God can be glorified when someone's not healed. And that brings up the next issue, which that, I'll be honest, this is a tough business to be in. It's a tough business to be in. You may ask a question from time to time. You may say, why is one person get healed and another person doesn't? Or why is it that one time somebody prayed for me and I got healed and another time I didn't? And, and I want to say to you today, those are valid questions and it's okay to ask. There are certain circles, certain religious environments where it's not okay to ask those questions because if you ask those questions, that's equated with a lack of faith. And I want to tell you that's not necessarily the case. That's called being a person, being human, and wondering. And it's okay to ask those questions. And so around here, those are valid questions to ask. And when you say, why does one person get healed and another person doesn't, um, Here's the answer. I'll tell you why. I don't know. That's why. I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I've seen, and this is not how God works. This is how I work. I've seen people are really, really good, nice, sweet people, so helpful and beautiful and wonderful, not get healed. I've seen some people that are kind of, you know, jerks, and they get healed. I go, that doesn't seem right. God, what is he, what, you know, what's up with that? But that's me. That's not God. God doesn't work that way. And I don't understand it, and sometimes it's frustrating. And I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes it's downright heartbreaking. It can be. It can be heartbreaking. There's been times when someone heals, someone wasn't healed that we prayed for and prayed for and prayed for. And at the end of the time, and I've said this to myself, I want you to know I've, I've committed to stop praying for people about 300 times. And I'll say, I'm just not going to do this anymore. It's, it's too hard. It's just too hard. But here's the thing. And this is what I always come back around to because uh, I've started praying again about 301 times. Um, 
If you don't pray for anybody ever, how many people will get healed? The answer is clear. You don't have to have a, a, an advanced degree in mathematics. Zero. Zero plus zero is zero. If you do pray for people, say you pray for 10 people and one gets healed, let me ask you this question. Was it worth it? And my answer is, it was for that one. And I think it makes it worthwhile. And that's why we commit to pressing in and pressing on in the midst of it all. Uh, It's hard. It's a hard business to be in. But I really believe it's God's heart. And I believe as we press into him that he'll honor that. It's also, on, uh, you know, I said it's okay to ask those questions. The flip side, the other side of that is, it's also okay to be honest if you're not healed. I don't ever want us to be in one of those environments where people are claiming to be healed when they're not healed. I've seen that happen. It's because I'm healed, I'm healed, and they're not healed, they're not healed. And it, you go, uh, let, let's not do that. Let's not do that. Let's, let's commit to just being honest with one another and loving one another through whatever situation arises. Scripture teaches that it's God's will to heal. That we know. And you can ask that question, and that's the question that comes up, and that one I am definitive on. Uh, is it God's will to heal? Look at the, the last slide there, Luke 5. Man with leprosy comes to Jesus. If you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand, he touched the man, I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Jesus is always willing, God is willing to heal. Uh, Again, it's a complex situation, there's a lot involved, and sometimes it doesn't happen the way that we hope, but the reality is that that's not because it's not God's will, it is God's will. Uh, God's will, it's a complex spiritual world that we live in, and God's will isn't always done, amen? Amen. In, in a lot of situations, and that's one of those situations that God's will isn't done. It requires faith for healing to happen, and just really quickly, whose faith is required, and we'll look at this as we go through the Gospel of Luke as well. Sometimes it's the person praying. Sometimes it's the person being prayed for. Sometimes it's somebody else, you know, but in, in, in different cases, somebody's faith is required. Uh, the harder question, though, is how much faith is required. That's the tough one. Uh, that, that one's a little bit fuzzier. Uh, we know it requires somebody's faith, but how much faith? We're told that the faith of a mustard seed can move a mountain. But I'm wondering sometimes, you know, <laughs> how does that work? Because it apparently maybe we don't even have that much faith. So I don't know. But it's a complex situation. But what I want to say is today, and we'll close with this, David, if you want to come on back up. Um, it's God's will. It's God's heart. And I believe that our, our responsibility as far as of Jesus is to pray to pray for those that are sick. And, and my, my hope is this, that we pray for as many people as we can. I think you're, you know, this is, and I have a friend who is, prays for a lot of people and teaches on healing a lot, and, and people get healed, and he'll, he'll tell you. He goes, my percentage is no better than yours. It's not better than anybody else's. The truth is I pray for more people, so I see more healing. And the more people we pray for, the more people are going to get better. So why don't we stand, and this is what I'd like to do this morning, it's just closed. Oh, this is wonderful. We have 10 minutes left. I'm going to ask our ministry team to, uh, to go to both sides of the room. And if you're here this morning and you would like somebody to pray with you, 
uh, we would like to do that. I want you to give us the opportunity for, to see God move. So if you have something, whether it's a, a chronic condition or whether you have, you know, a cold, whether you have an injury, whether whatever, if you have pain, I want you to let us pray for you today. Just ask God to come and bring healing to you.